Welcome to the Positive Vibe Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bonick, and this is episode number two, My Story. I'm sitting here right now with my wife, Grace. Yeah, that's right. I said wife. I'm sure a lot of you are kind of caught off guard, but I'm going to open up and talk about that story and talk a little bit about my mental health journey. I hope everyone enjoys this episode. Episode number two, My Story. Hey, everyone. So, Matt. Mental health for you has been a lifelong battle. Can you talk about when it first started? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with OCD when I was eight years old. Um, A lot of people, you know, think of OCD as the arranging colors or being organized. And, you know, that is part of it for certain people. But unfortunately, you know, for me, it was the intrusive thoughts, the feeling like you needed to do the tapping and the rituals. Um, It was a lot of repetitive things where I felt like I couldn't go into certain rooms because bad things were going to happen to me or I couldn't leave my parents because bad things were going to happen to me. It was a struggle and I would go see doctors and they diagnosed me with OCD, like I said, at eight, but there really wasn't, you know, medicine, like the medicine that they put me on, it all made me like worse. It didn't help at all. Um, it was one of those situations where I, I kept, having to try different medicines, nothing helped. And then it felt like for me, the big escape and the big medicine that worked for me was baseball. So throughout baseball, what was your mental health like? Cause you were you diagnosed with OCD. You knew you had OCD, but what part of baseball made it better, made it easier to get through the days? For me, baseball was an escape. It felt like that was the only place that I was quote unquote normal. You know what I mean? I was a good player, so people respected you. You had friends. Um, It never felt like my OCD was noticeable to my friends and stuff like that. It all felt very inside and when I got home. But during the, like, baseball saved my life in a lot of ways because it made me feel normal. And that's all I really wanted to feel, you know? Yeah, definitely. So after baseball was over, because it it came to an end, what was that like for you? Because as after everything you've said, baseball did so much for you. So when it just ended, what was your headspace at? Yeah. So when baseball was over, it kind of, I feel like a lot of times athletes deal with their most mental health struggles when that sport or, you know, obviously it can go for anything, you know, but for me it was baseball. And once that was over, I had to kind of address the OCD and those kind of things because I no longer had that escape. Um, for me, it was, I'm trying to think, well, 2019, I went into the mental hospital for the first time. Um, it was a time in my life when, you know, I was really struggling. It was scary. I, every time I shut my eyes, it was like these terrible thoughts and I couldn't turn my head off at all. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. Um, I went to, cause I was getting put on all these different medications, but none of them were helping. And I went to this doctor in Pennsylvania and she didn't know what she was doing. Um, She was literally just testing stuff out on me. And one of the medicines she had me try, like made me go crazy. And I remember vividly being in the room with my mom and them telling me, like I told them, like my head's like telling me to hurt myself, like bad things are going on in my head. And because I said about hurting myself, you had to be like in input into the hospital. Um, I still remember my mom sitting right next to me, just bawling her eyes out because she couldn't help me. Um, 
they told me that if I didn't sign willingly, that they were going to have like the cops come and they were going to forcefully put me into the hospital, um, which I think is crazy that that's how that works. But um, eventually I signed, you know, signed it over and that's kind of how it happened. You know, I, I was taken then directly. And I remember this too. Um, I remember the drive, like you're supposed to get escorted, like in an ambulance to the hospital. Um, but I remember vividly, like my mom just yelling at the dog, yelling at the people, like I'm driving him to the hospital. I'm driving him to the hospital. I'm not going to drive off and not take him to the hospital. Like you got my word. I'm taking him to the hospital, but you're not taking him in an ambulance. And, um, I don't know how she worked that one, but they let me go. And, um, we went to Burger King. That's a fact. We went to Burger King on the way and got my last good meal. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so that was 2019 and that was the first time, you know, ever being in the mental hospital for me. So not only were you struggling mentally, but then you were placed into a very unfamiliar place in a very scary way. Uh, what was the mental hospital like? Because, you know, those listening might have this connotation of what they think it's like, but not only are they different everywhere, they just each to, you know, basically the mental hospital is different everywhere you go is what I'm trying to get at. So what was your experience like at the Pennsylvania one? For sure. And we're not professionals at this. Grace is over here making faces. She's beating herself up over this. She doesn't do interviews. She does social media marketing. She doesn't do this stuff, but no, I appreciate you doing this. Um, but yeah, so Pennsylvania was actually, it wasn't bad. I mean, we'll get into it later about the Arizona mental hospital, but as for Pennsylvania, I have nothing but good things to say about the way it was run. Um, it basically, you're in a room with one other person who's also struggling and you have various group classes throughout the day and you have one-on-ones with doctors and stuff like that, but you're in a wing of the hospital, uh, the behavioral health wing. And I was in the wing without, um, like it wasn't the violent wing. There's like a section that's for like people that are being violent and then there's a nonviolent and I was in the nonviolent and I remember, and some people are there for a week. Some people are there for months. Um, but I met some people in there. I met a guy named Chip who was so dope. He was such a nice guy, older gentleman. Um, but his spirits were so good. And he, you meet people in there that are struggling just like you, you know? So it's like, you're not any better than them or you you know what I mean? You're all in the same playing field. You're, you're all in the mental hospital. You're all there hopefully to get better. Um, and you start seeing people leave and you're excited for them. You know what I mean? It's kind of, you're cheering everyone on. Uh, but I remember like, you only can family can only visit certain days and certain hours. So like whenever my family would come visit, um, you know, they always would come. My boy Bender came to visit. I remember that. And just, you just like kind of, you couldn't do much. So you would just kind of pace around the walking area, um, and kind of spend time with your family. And I remember one time, um, my mom, like the food wasn't good in there. That's, uh, that's true. But I remember my mom smuggled in, literally a burger for me. That's real. That's real. Um, that's love right there. She literally put it in her bra. That's a fact. <laughs> and I ate that burger and my brother would bring gushers, put gushers in his socks because they would check you when you'd walk in and AJ brought gushers for me, which is pretty epic. But yeah, overall it was, you know, it was a good experience in that sense. I met some good people in there. Uh, but ultimately I was once again, just tested out on different medicines and 
um, at the end of that, nothing really came, you know what I mean? As far as the medicine, but after the hospital, this is where it kind of gets interesting. After the hospital, you go into like a group setting, um, for two weeks and you're there every day. Um, and you're with doctors and stuff like that. And that was the first time that I was told, you know, I really, really think you're bipolar. I think it's more than just OCD. I think you have bipolar disorder too. And, you know, my brother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder before, and I know it is a a hereditary kind of thing. I have other people in my family that, uh, you know, cousins and like grandfather, like that kind of thing. Um, but that was the first time I heard that. And I remember I was very in denial off the bat. Like, no, I don't have bipolar disorder. My brother has bipolar. It's different. Like, but then over time I finally accepted it and I was put on some mood stabilizers and things, but nothing ever really helped. So getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder, was it helpful to put a name to what you were feeling? Cause I know at first you were in denial, um, but then you got put on medication that helped. Um, but was it helpful to know that, hey, maybe I'm feeling this way because I have bipolar disorder? Not that it's a positive thing, but that, you know, it can kind of bring you some peace of knowing this is what I have. Yeah, I mean, honestly, no, because the medicine, this is like the medicine worked in the beginning. It was a mood stabilizer and it helped me out for about a week. And then it started like once I got home and I was out of the group setting, it really like I started to face a lot of similar problems that I was going through. Um, but this kind of transitions into the Baton Rouge time where we eventually met. Um, but I, I went down to Baton Rouge to work, uh, to do PV. Um, and I was, I was in Baton Rouge with a investor at the time. And it seemed like all my problems, like it felt like that was medicine. It was like a rush. It was a new thing. I was like, doing very well with PV. Everything was successful. Like things were, it almost felt like baseball where everything felt right. And it wasn't like I was really having to confront these, these kind of problems. Um, and then once things started to go bad with that investor, my head went crazy. And this was like a time that I've never really experienced before. Yeah, definitely. I know from my experience, when I first met you, um, you told me a little about about your story. I knew from, you know, from what we've talked about. But overall, I, I from the outside looking in, quote unquote, didn't, didn't see anything wrong with you. And I put that in quotes because it's not that having mental health issues is wrong. But I say that because I had known a little bit about your story and how much you struggled, but I you were thriving. Um, and you had told me you weren't really on any medications when I first met you. Um, and so also I have to mention when I first met Matt, I knew about mental health, but not as much as I would say I know now, especially OCD and bipolar disorder. Um, so to me, there was nothing that stuck out, but then watching you decline and really start to struggle was a huge eye opener. And it just showed that like, you know, depending on what you're going through, what you're dealing with, it can change so fast and have such a big effect on you. Yeah, it, it really was a scary time in my life. Um, knowing that I had bipolar disorder, but also knowing that I wasn't on any medication I knew was a recipe for disaster. It was like a ticking time bomb, honestly. Um, and it was, AJ was down there with me. Um, he would, he was doing the, all the shipping and sending out all the orders. And, um, I remember, 
going out to Arizona with AJ for a celebrity golf tournament that PV was doing the polos for and like some of the, you know, doing some of the, you know, merch. Um, and everything was great. It was all good. And then all of a sudden, like my head just started going crazy. Like you, it, it was the first time I ever dealt with a manic episode. Um, and during that time I felt invincible. I felt like God was talking to me. I felt it was, it felt all felt so real and right to me. It didn't feel like now I can look at the situation and be like, okay, that was a manic episode. That was scary. Let's never try to go back to that again. But at the time I thought I was like chosen from God to like do all this stuff. And my heart has always been so pure and the intentions of PV were always great. So like, for an example, I started giving away all my stuff. I started giving away all my shoes, my my nice shoes, my nice hats, my nice clothes. I started donating it and giving it away to random people. Like I remember one time this kid, I was passing this kid and I was like, yo, what size hat do you wear? And he literally wore the same size hat as me, which is another thing that my head probably was like, oh, this is destiny. <laughs> but I remember giving him my fear of God hat. I remember giving uh, my Cactus Jacks to this person at... Um, Plato's closet like I just gave him to him and he was like lost his mind and there were so many situations where I like blessed people with stuff that I shouldn't even have been giving away if you really think about it I didn't have much to give I was giving away all the pv stuff I was just it was it was wild I remember having AJ give away all the pv stuff like all our inventory just give it away donate it give it to people um so AJ's with me during this time in Arizona and then all of a sudden like I felt like I was gonna win the lottery and that was a time in my life that was crazy because I literally thought God was telling me, you're going to be a billionaire and you're going to be able to help all the people you always wanted to help um, because I know you can handle being a billionaire and not have, not let it get to your head, not let it change you. So give away all your stuff, give away everything you have, have faith, and I'm gonna, you're going to win the lottery. And I literally remember saying that my brother was like, dude, you're not going to win the lottery. Like all that stuff. I remember my boy, Zach Byler, like out in AZ, he's such a real one. And he had my back and he wasn't like, you know, looking back at it now, I'm sure he thought it was crazy, but he showed nothing but love to me. You know what I mean? Same with JP. JP had me and my brother over and it was all love. Like he was just um, such a good, such a good friend in that moment. It was so amazing. I'm always grateful for the relationships I have that people were, that were there for me when I was struggling most. Um, I remember like being out in AZ and AJ flew back because it got to a point where it was kind of like too long. I was too out there too long. So AJ flew back to Baton Rouge and I remember, ah, it's hard to talk about. Um, I remember being by myself for like five, six days and living out of my rental car. And I felt like God was telling me the last thing you never felt what it feels like to be homeless. So you need to be homeless for a little while so you can relate to everyone one day when you share your story and help people. Um, so I was living, I remember I had nothing, like all my cards were ma like maxed out. There was no money for anything. And I just remember being like starving. And uh, I told you this the other day, like I have a soft spot in my heart for Taco Bell because I literally like, I didn't want to ask anyone for anything. I wasn't sitting on the side of the street asking for anything. I just was didn't have anywhere to go. And I remember... First off, like I, the way people look at you and make you feel just by sitting there, like I was sitting there not having my hand out asking for change or anything, but the way that people would look at you as they passed by, like it made you feel less of a human. 
So it always like breaks your heart a little bit when you see people out there that aren't begging or asking that are just kind of going about their business. It kind of always is sad to me. Um, but I remember going into Taco Bell and just literally saying like, I have no food. I have no money. Is there any way that I could get something to eat? And she said, let me talk to my manager. And they came out and they gave me like, uh, like one of those $5 boxes or something like that. And I remember just being so happy and I ate that so fast and it was so dope. And I remember another night I had nothing and you ordered a pizza and told me to go pick it up at this local, you know, whatever pizza hut Domino's that I was close to. Um, and I just remember that and, you know, this kind of takes us into us. Um, so Grace was a really good friend of mine and we were nothing more than friends and she was always there for me. Uh, she was a real one. Um, even when she shouldn't have been, um, but she didn't ever like not be there for me. And I felt like God was telling me, Mary Grace, I know she's, she's your friend. You've never dated her, but marry her. Stop trying to think about other girls, this and that. She's perfect. She's loyal. This is it. And I literally, Grace, you could say this part. Uh, you flew out to AZ and, you know. Yeah. So the, you know, this whole Arizona journey sounds like it'd be months long. It wasn't. How long do you think it was? It was probably two weeks. Yeah. It it was really short, but it 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 felt so long because Matt was struggling so much. And before I even went to Arizona, he was texting me. You know, at first when he got to Arizona, everything was great, and then you know, everything took a turn, um, and not necessarily for the better. I mean, it the story does end in a good note, um, but basically Matt was texting me and it, it was scary, but it was also like part of me, like believed it. I was just, I didn't know what to think. Um, and I knew AJ was coming home and I knew I couldn't not do anything about it. Um, so Matt told me to get on a flight. I bu- booked my flight, um, almost got stranded in Colorado cause there was a snowstorm but I made it to Arizona and that's, do you want to tell them what happened when I got there? So she had no knowledge of any of this stuff, um, like the marriage or anything like that. So she gets out to Arizona, that golf, that celebrity golf thing was at Greyhawk country club, like a legendary uh, country club. in I want to say it's Scottsdale, Arizona. And I have forever have love to Greyhawk. They like, because I was there for the celebrity thing, I was able to go shower um, in the facilities. And I just kept walking in, like I own the place and just pretended like I was a member there and I would literally go shower there. So I'd live in my car, but I would shower at Greyhawk. And I was like, all right, well, Greyhawk's been a good part of this journey. Let's go get a ring and let's hide the ring by a cactus right next to the country club. And then when she gets here, I'm going to drive her out here and I'm going to propose to her. And I went and got the ring at like Walmart or something like that. And I think I got like five sizes too big. <laughs> and I literally hid it underneath a cactus. And she, <clears throat> I picked up Grace from the airport. We went to Greyhawk. And I literally got on a knee, asked her to marry me. And I, she reluctantly said yes. I think she thought I was absolutely bonkers, losing my mind. But she did say yes. And uh, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so to kind of backtrack... When I booked this flight to Arizona, my whole goal was to just get there 
and get Matt back. Like I did not plan on being in Arizona. I just wanted to get him back to Louisiana where he was living at the time, get him back with AJ. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, your family was messaging me on Instagram cause I didn't even have their phone number, but they knew I was there. And, um, asking me if he's okay. And I'm trying to pretend that you are that like, I got it. I don't, I, I just, I felt like I could fix the situation. I don't, I don't know. I just cared for you so much. And of course I still do. But, um, so that was my whole goal was to just get him back. And then right when I get there, I'm, it's dark outside and I'm brought to a very large cactus. I remember saying like, Oh my gosh, is there going to be snakes? Um, and we get to the cactus and I'm like, Oh yeah, this, this is cool. And he bends down, grabs the ring and proposes. And I remember thinking like, I, I, I don't even know, actually, it was just like a shock. And it was, um, of course I really liked Matt as a person. That's why I you know, was friends with him. He's a great person with great intentions. Um, but oh my gosh, it was just, yeah, it was a shock. That's all I can say. And I said, yes, not knowing what was to come. Um, I remember we got in the car and I just thought to myself, he doesn't mean this. I'm getting him back to Louisiana. This is just going to be a thing of the past. Like I've had crazy stuff happen to me. Like this is just another thing. Um, but no, the next day comes and Matt's like, let's go to the courthouse. And I'm like, oh goodness. Did you want to kind of talk about, you know, the courthouse wasn't open and how that came about? Yeah. So of course the courthouse isn't open, which probably was actually signed from God saying, Hey man, let's chill on this. <laughs> but didn't take, didn't take that insight. And, uh, the next day we went to just some ordained thing that, the, we got married and there was like one witness there, um, or two witnesses and we got, we got married. And, uh, from that we went and we stayed at the talking stick resort, like the casino, which was terrible because once again, I was down there playing freaking in the casino and I shouldn't have been and losing more money and spending more money. And it was just a rough, uh, rough time for sure. Um, but we get back to Baton Rouge and cause we went back to Baton Rouge, right? Right for a little bit, right? And then we moved eventually, like, you tell, talk about that. Yeah, so um, Arizona happened, and then I finally get him back. Um, and so once we're back in Louisiana, oh, gosh, I think you started to come down from the manic episode because even you were saying, like, what did we do? Why did we get married? Um, we were talking about getting an annulment because it was just, like, it was so crazy. Um, and I do have to mention, I was still in college during this. So like my senior year of college, I'm trying to navigate that. It's towards the end of my college career. Um, Matt's coming down from this manic episode. We just got married. It was actually one of the craziest things ever. And so we were talking about getting an annulment. Um, but then it got to a point where Matt just like, you couldn't be in Baton Rouge. It was just too much for you. Um, and so you and AJ were ready to go back to Arizona, which is kind of interesting to me because that's where everything went so wrong, um, especially for you. So going back there was definitely shocking to hear and also not knowing what's going to happen with us. I'm still in college. I live in Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. 
and it was definitely a scary time. Yeah, I remember because um, Arizona was a time back in the day when I would go there for PV for spring training. It was like the most positive, awesome time. So my head was associating that with like happiness, you know. Um, but I remember Adrian and I drove all the way across country to Arizona and you were finishing up at LSU. And that's kind of when it got to a point where I realized I needed help. You know, I really was having thoughts of suicide and just really bad thoughts. I couldn't stop. And uh, it was scary. And I remember just getting to a point where being like, you know, I know I, I need help. And, uh, I remember going in the hospital and, uh, I checked myself in. I didn't need to get taken. I knew I needed help. And I just remember uh, my brother, my brother dropped me off. And like, it was nothing like Pennsylvania. It was like the worst experience ever. You were standing in a room with four other guys in a room. There was a guy in my room that was schizophrenic. He would be screaming in the middle of the night. Like I, I would sleep. You literally didn't sleep because you thought someone was going to attack you or something bad was going to happen. It was scary as fuck. And I just remember like trying everything I could to get out of there, telling them I'm leaving, I'm doing this. And it was like really bad. And I remember taking a test in there. You take like a three hour long test. Um, and they decide if you have SMI or not, serious mental illness. And, uh, you know, you tell them about your childhood, you tell them about your story, and uh, they make the decision. And I was, you know, told I had SMI, you know, serious mental illness. And um, once again there, they put me on different medicines, stuff like that. And there was something that helped me temporarily, uh, but nothing really worked that much. Um, so I got out of there and probably got out of there sooner than I should have, but I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. I didn't care anymore to be there. I just wanted to be back with AJ and try to get you out there. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I mean, I want to say one thing. Um, I remember you couldn't call on the phone. You couldn't like go make calls to anyone like that. And, uh, I remember just begging the lady if I could call grace, it was, you were graduating college. And I just wanted to call and tell you I was proud of you and that kind of thing. And it was, they let me call her and they let me tell you that. You remember that? Yeah, I'll never forget that. I was putting my makeup on and I had my phone next to me and it, it popped up with a Arizona phone number. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this has got to be Matt. And I answered and I couldn't believe it. But, um, you know, that's something I will never, ever forget. Because again, this was just a time where we didn't know what was going to happen, not only between us, but just with you yourself of, it was, a, it was just, again, I, I use the word scary a lot. It was a scary time and, um, I'll never forget that phone call, but yeah, after that, after you got out, um, we didn't know where we stood. We didn't know if I should again, just stay home and do my thing and we just continue to be friends and figure out the annulment at another time. But ultimately I decided, you know what, what do I have to lose? I just graduated college. I'm not tied down to any job yet. What's stopping me from just seeing? And I made the decision to pack up everything and go. And I have to mention at the time, 
only two people knew about my marriage, one of my college roommates and my sister. Nobody else in my family or friend group knew I was married. So this whole time they thought Matt was my boyfriend. Um, and I just, that was just to not scare them or shock them in any way. Um, and so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go move with my boyfriend to Arizona. He's already out there. And everyone thought I was crazy for doing that. And, um, yeah, Arizona, that's after I got there, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Arizona was a struggle. We, we lived there for a year and, uh, AJ, Grace and I, and it was, it was tough. We didn't have much, we didn't have furniture. We didn't have anything. It was a struggle for a long time, but we got through it and we decided to then move to Tampa. Um, once again, for me, Tampa was a time in my life back in the day when I was grinding and Ubering, like killing it with PV. It was a happy place to me. So once again, like all I was searching for was happiness. So that's why I went to Arizona. Then I wanted to go to Tampa and like we moved to Tampa and it was the same shit. It was I like this whole period of Arizona and everything. I'm going to the doctors, you know, a couple times a month, getting on, putting on different medicines. When I tell you that I was literally tried out on probably 14 different medications, I'm not exaggerating at all. It was crazy. Nothing was working. And it was making me like, it was like a shell of a human being. It wasn't even me. And it was like, I was struggling to get through every day and literally not even doing PV much at all. Like it was, it was wild. Like I remember during all my lowest points, Byron was always there for me and would always like encourage me to like try something with PV or, Hey, I want you to make shirts for the team or this, that he never wanted me to let PV be dead. And, uh, he's, you know, my biggest supporter and it meant everything to me, but I couldn't do anything about it. Like I wanted to do more and I wanted to get back to that feeling of like being that, but I couldn't, I couldn't, like I, it wasn't lining up with the medicine. So then when we moved to Tampa, um, it was about a month and a half into the move to Tampa. I finally got put on the right medication and I'm still on that same medication today. And it changed everything for me. Yeah, definitely. Seeing you go through all of that was difficult because you, you would have good days, but I think the bad days outweighed the good days. Um, and throughout this whole period, majority Arizona, um, me and you got to remember like me and Matt never dated. So we're married though at this point. So we kind of had to fall in love with each other after being married and navigate our relationship and what we like and we don't like and get to really know each other. And so it was such a interesting time because we're going through that, but Matt's also really struggling. You know, you, that was probably the worst I've ever seen you. Um, and it was really hard to see you that way because again, you are someone who has such a pure heart and such good intentions and seeing you struggle so much is one of the worst feelings. Um, and so when you said, I, I want to go to Tampa, I think it's going to help. If I was ready to go. Yeah. You've, you've always been a ride or die, a real one. And I appreciate that. And just to let all PV nation know we're on about two and a half years of marriage right now. We had many arguments, many times we didn't think it would work out, but here we are two and a half years in and I'm introducing grace to the world. <laughs> um, pretty funny. But yeah, so Tampa, I literally worked at Golf Galaxy, shout out store 3211. I worked there for a year and, um, you know, never really thought I would ever do PV again. Uh, it was literally only Byron that was making one or like making an order 
that kept PV alive. Like he'd make one order a year. That would be a big order that left that gave PV that hope that it could maybe be alive one day. Um, and I was working at golf galaxy and I remember Byron called me and he was out in Oakland. They were playing the A's and we had a great conversation, um, about how a lady saw him wearing the PV shirt and he told her all about it and she loved the story. And at the very end of the phone call, Byron said, PV is not dead and don't ever say it's dead. And that shit just got me like, I don't know if it was because I was in the right headspace for once. I was on the right medicine. Everything was lining up. But like it felt in that moment that like I felt rejuvenated, like, oh, my gosh, like I got this. Like PV is about to be back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you called me after that. And I hadn't heard that enthusiasm in your voice in so long. And in a, and I want to mention, there's nothing wrong with working a job at Golf Galaxy or doing this or doing that, but I know you and I know you thrive with PV. This is essentially your baby. You started this for a very good reason, you know, not just your mental health struggles, but AJ's too. And AJ means everything to you. So I know PV means the world to you. And so hearing you have that enthusiasm again was it was so refreshing. Yeah. It lit that fire again. And then I started creating. Um, and I remember being gone for almost two years and I did a pre-order and, um, the pre-order went crazy. And it, I remember, uh, I wrote a message saying, you know, everyone's been asking where I've been the last two years, whatever. Um, I kind of explained the struggles that I went through and I did a pre-order and the pre-order went nuts. And just to be, you know, we did 12 K in sales in a week. And that was like, after being gone from two years, like that was like mind blowing. And that was all, I mean, that's God right there. Like that was crazy, but it gave that hope that like, okay, I can do this. And then I started continuing to go with the, you know, kind of to where we're at today, just continuing to, I'm sitting on a bunch of designs. I'm creating every day. I'm back in my bag again and I'm loving life. I'm loving the PV journey. Um, I feel inspired again to change the world and to help others. I felt very called to start this podcast, you know, letting others know they're not alone has always meant everything to me. And I think we can help a lot of people with our story and opening up. And I plan on having a lot of guests on here that can, you know, share their story and inspire everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I love watching you do it. Um, you know, every day hasn't been easy, but we've come a really long way and, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in our apartment, a lot of PV stuff right now, and I might complain about it, but I know it makes you happy, and I know that this is your motivation, and for that, that's all I can ask for is just for you to be happy and motivated and want to help others because that's your main goal. Yeah, I think – how do you feel – since I've been like medicated and properly medicated and in a situation now where I'm finally doing a lot better, like, how do you feel like, you know, just asking your perspective on it, do you feel like you're happy you never gave up on our marriage or like, what is that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm lost for words. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, again, I, it's refreshing. I said that before it's refreshing. It's, great to see because I, I care about you so much and I know how much you've struggled. I may have not known you for a long period of time during your struggles, but I've known you these past 
I've known you, we've been married two and a half. I've known you probably three and a half years. Um, and seeing your ups and downs has been really hard, but finally witnessing you be in such a good place feels so good. Um, it's not only helpful to our marriage, it's helpful just to yourself. I mean, in the end, you struggle and I just want you to be happy. And so. Yeah, I appreciate you never giving up on me for sure. Um, all right, well, we're going to end this. We always end it with the same question, so I'll let you ask it. All right, Matt, what's one piece of advice for PV Nation? PV Nation, I would say if you're struggling, um, ask for help, get help. And uh, the biggest thing I want to say is keep going. Just don't give up. There was days where I thought things would never get better. And look at me now. I'm in a spot now where I'm I'm happy. I'm living my dream. And I'm surrounded by amazing people. You know, um, check in on your friends. That's another one. You know, there's a lot of times the strong friends are the ones that no one really checks on, you know, so mix it up sometimes and check in on the ones that you think are the strong ones. Because a lot of times those are the ones fighting the biggest demons. And um, last thing I want to say is just know you're not alone, no matter what you're going through. You know, we can, PV Nation's always got your back. And uh, if you're struggling right now and you're listening to this, you're not alone. Um, if you feel like you might need help or you're having really bad thoughts, just please get help. Um, you're worth it and you matter. Um, nothing but love, PV Nation. Couldn't agree more. All right. Episode two, my story. Peace.